your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's money to 200-200. WXDXFM, Pittsburgh. The Patriots cheat. Why isn't the national media talking more about that as they prepare to win their sixth Super Bowl? No team in sports history has had a bigger culture of cheating than New England. Spygate was the big one. Deflategate was the bad sequel that people got sick of pretty quickly like Anchorman 2. But there are just too many stories from opponents of the Patriots knowing the other team's plays to believe that Spygate didn't give New England a huge competitive edge. It should diminish their accomplishments and their legacy, but it doesn't. It should give the careers of Belichick and Brady a black eye, but it doesn't. It should be talked about this week and every time the Patriots make the Super Bowl, but it isn't. It hasn't. You can argue that Belichick should have been thrown out of football, but he wasn't. We talk about New England's culture, and it is a culture of discipline and focus, but it's also a culture of cheating and it hasn't hurt their reputation nearly enough. Those Jamokes in Boston like to say, they hate us because they ain't us. No, we hate you because you cheat. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. As you know, I feel like a prisoner in the workplace. No decaf, no Splenda. And now, check this out. I didn't have time to eat lunch today. And sometimes sponsors for my show, for the DV morning show, Mikey and Big Bob, whatever show, they bring in free food. There is no free food here today. How can I be expected to go on? Having not had time to eat, not having free food here to make up for it, no decaf, no Splenda, my parking space was occupied by God knows who, somebody not as important as me, I can guarantee you that. I'm all about one word today, people. You know what that word is? Courage. The courage to go on in an unpleasant workplace is something, my God, I hope you don't have to know the terror of it. But I do. And like Gloria Gaynor, I will survive. Uh, Gronk survived concussion protocol. He's out of it. Philadelphia Eagles, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Uh, We all figured Gronk was going to play, right? But when there was a smidgen of hope for the Eagles that he would not... Sunday looked that much rosier in theory. But I just don't know what the Eagles do to stop Gronk. I don't know what anybody does to stop Gronk. Look at that game in Week 15 where the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers should have won. They blew it. But when it was time for Gronk to take over late in the game, the Steelers had absolutely no answer for Gronk. None. And the Eagles will not either. Here's some Steeler news. They signed Jordan Berry to a one-year contract extension. Punter. Whoopity-doo. 
Uh, on this date in 2004, Janet Jackson's breast was exposed by Justin Timberlake during the halftime show of the Super Bowl. That, of course, was the last Steelers Super Bowl win when uh, Mr. Fitzgerald damn near took the Arizona Cardinals to Larry Land. But Ben and Santonio Holmes brought him back. Uh, what a great catch by Santonio Holmes, who got the MVP of that game for that catch alone pretty much, but given that catch, its acrobatics and its importance, you couldn't hardly blame that decision. You know, there's been a, a movement afoot by the social justice warriors. The Timberlake shouldn't be at the halftime show because Janet Jackson had her career ruined by having her breast exposed and Timberlake didn't suffer at all. Okay, first off, you do know Janet Jackson knew that was going to happen, right? Her breast was not exposed involuntarily. She wanted her breast exposed. And I'll tell you what, I don't know what network the Super Bowl was on that year, but it would have looked great on Channel 11. And there are people who say Timberlake should have had his career ruined, but he didn't because of white male privilege. I think all that's absurd, but mark my words. I bet Janet Jackson figures in Sunday's halftime with Timberlake. I absolutely think that they're going to see a chance to right a perceived wrong, as ridiculous as it is, Timberlake, the NFL, everybody, and Janet Jackson will be involved in Sunday's halftime show. And hopefully will not have her breast exposed. Let's go to Andrew in Wexford. Andrew, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, yeah, I don't know. You know, you're asking about the media, why they don't make a big deal. I think somebody like Bonds, it was more tangible. You saw him get bigger in his individual stats. Yeah, I would say that, that the Patriots coming out of their defensive huddle and yelling to each other what the next play was going to be when they saw the formation, I would say that's fairly tangible. But I just think that Bonds was worse than Belichick because, uh, you know, the Patriots, I just don't think they cheated as much as people think they did. How can you say that? Didn't cheat as much as people think they did. They had a spy at the Rams walkthrough dressed as an NFL films guy before a Super Bowl. Didn't cheat as much as people think. I'll tell you what, Barry Bonds cheated. He never dressed up as somebody else to do it. Let's go to Josh in the car. Josh, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Great. All right, so I interpret um, Le'Veon Bell liking Bettis' tweet a little bit differently, and here's why. Um, when Tomlin got his extension, Le'Veon Bell was all about it. Uh, and if you look at Tomlin's last tweet, it's all about his son rapping with Le'Veon Bell and trying to get exposure. Um, so I look at it more as... Did Tomlin tweet about his son rapping with Le'Veon Bell? It's the most recent tweet. He's never tweeted about good season or thanks for the season. It's about his son rapping. Okay, we'll look that up. Do go on. So, no, I just think that uh, I think that Bell is one of the biggest Tomlin fanboys, and um, I think that him trolling Jerome Bettis is even more immature than liking the – Oh, he's not trolling Jerome Bettis. What are you, crazy? Jerome Bettis criticized Tomlin. How is Bell liking that trolling Jerome Bettis? He's trolling Tomlin. 
No, I don't think he, that's what I'm saying. I think that I don't think that the like is a traditional like because he backed Tomlin so much. When you say traditional, you're losing me here. I mean, he liked it. Bettis criticized I, yes. Tomlin, and Bell there, there, liked it. I mean, sure, how can I good. read anything else into that? But that Bell agrees with Bettis's criticism of Tomlin. Because well, there's no dislike button. If I, if you say something, oh, okay, about I'm going to say this real slow this like time. It. No, no, shut up, real slow. Bettis criticized Tomlin. It went out in a tweet. Bell liked the tweet. The tweet that criticized Tomlin. How the frig else can I interpret that? <laughs> I'm, I just explained it because no, no, no. You said Tomlin, gibberish. Tomlin him, you said Tomlin gibberish. Let him come to to practice to the game late. He yeah, I, I know all that. Wants, so, so, so Bell so, criticized. Goodbye. Bell liked the tweet that criticized Tomlin, and yeah, there's some irony. There's some irony for Lev Bell liking a tweet that criticizes Tomlin for being unprepared when Bell's the one who showed up late for the walkthrough and the game. There is some irony there, and you have to take into account that Le'Veon Bell is an absolute idiot, and who knows why he does anything. Yeah, back on January 12th, Tomlin tweeted about his kid's first mixtape. That's good. The coach's kid's going to be a rapper. Great career choice, and I bet it works out well. Oy. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Mike Sullivan at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute, prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Uh, I got a few things confused a moment ago, but that's, you know, y- you can't blame me because of the hostility and un- unforgiving pressure here in the workplace at iHeartMedia. Uh, today is the anniversary of the Santonio catch to win the Super Bowl and Timberlake exposing Janet Jackson's booby, but it wasn't the same Super Bowl. Uh, the halftime act at the Steelers Super Bowl in Arizona in Super Bowl Forty-Three was uh, Bruce Springsteen which I very grudgingly watched because I hate Springsteen. I remember at the end of the the performance by Springsteen, he was bitching on Mike because he wanted to do another song, but we're being forced out of here, Miami Steve or Little Steven or whatever Van Zant was called this week, you know, the guy from The Sopranos, Silvio. And I'm thinking to myself, then as I am right now, that shows what an arrogant jerk Springsteen is. That he thinks he's bigger than the Super Bowl. That they should delay the the kickoff for the second half of the Super Bowl so Springsteen could play another song. That seriously showed that Springsteen was out of his mind. Because he's one of the biggest, I mean, delusional. Springsteen was absolutely delusional because as big a star as he is, for him to think that halftime should be extended and the kickoff delayed so he can play another song. For him to think that he's bigger than the Super Bowl is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, by the way, that uh, that expose of Janet Jackson's breast uh, back in, I think it was Super Bowl 38. 
That halftime show was quite an all-star cast uh, of the day. Not only Timberlake and Jackson, but uh, Kid Rock, Jessica Simpson, Diddy, Nelly, just a bunch of guys with stupid names. And, uh, boy, Janet Jackson got her top ripped off, but Jessica Simpson escaped unscathed. And that's not a shame. Neither woman should have had their top ripped off. That's objectifying. It should never happen. Uh, by the way, getting back to uh, my poll, who's the better cheater, Bill Belichick or Barry Bonds? You can vote on Twitter, at Mark Madden X. And uh, what I said about Belichick and his uh, legacy not being diminished despite being caught cheating twice, neither his nor Brady's nor the Patriots, their foundation of success has been built to some degree on cheating, and and nobody talks about it. Uh, and you'd think it would be a major topic with the Patriots back in the Super Bowl, but it is not. Uh, that 30-for-30 30 30 premieres tonight, the two Bills, Belichick and Parcells and their relationship. But what a couple of pukes. I'll watch it begrudgingly, much like I watched the Bruce Springsteen halftime show the last time the Steelers were in the Super Bowl. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Now, now let me make one thing. I, I, I don't want to be obtuse here. I would not cheat to try to win. I coached, I mean, I know it's only deck hockey, whatever you think of it. I really liked it. I never cheated, and I was cheated, but I never cheated. I think that cheating to win would diminish the result. I would never think of it like I really want. But some people aren't like that. Some people are amoral. Some people think by any means necessary. Some people think that no matter what you have to do to win, it's okay as long as you win. I just never felt that way. Maybe that makes me a good person. Maybe it makes me a schmuck. Maybe it makes me someone who's been damaged by the lack of Splenda and decaf and free food and no parking space and a broken stapler. All of this has happened in one day here at iHeartMedia. I need therapy, a service animal, something. Well, now I'm going off on a tangent. Nobody cares about, uh, uh, about my problems. Nobody cares. You should, but nobody. Anyway. Mike Sullivan joins me at the bottom of the hour. I'm uh, going to ask him, I don't want to say hard questions, because how many hard questions could you ask a guy who's won the last two Stanley Cups? That diminishes the criticism that you you really have to deal with, doesn't it? But I'm going to ask about Ian Cole, what he has to do to win a permanent lineup spot. I'm going to ask him, here's what I think is a, a big point of discussion with Sully. And, and you never know how forthcoming uh, Mike will be, although he's usually pretty good. He wants to play Kessel, Crosby, and Malkin on separate lines. That worked in 16. Last year he couldn't do it, so he didn't do it. And the Penguins won the Stanley Cup with Kessel and Malkin playing on the same line. And the third line was just the third line. I understand about the matchup problems that splitting those three up onto separate lines creates. But what if you just can't do it? And when do you recognize that and give up the ghost on it? Uh, we'll definitely be talking to Mike Sullivan about that. Be talking about uh, 
Latang getting his game up to where the Penguins need it. Matt Murray's comeback and him getting his game up to where the Penguins need it. The month of January, the Penguins 9-3, what the cost for the turnaround was. A very interesting statement yesterday on this program by Ole Mata in between him watching Man United and Tottenham Hotspur like I was on NBC Sports Network. Ole said that while the Penguins lost two out of three on the West Coast, that was where they really started playing the game the right way and got on the right track. I'm going to run that past Sully, see what he thinks, because in retrospect, it really does make a lot of sense. Let's go to Kevin in Cheswick. Kevin, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. I was just wondering if uh, the Patriots ever did a celebration dance. I think they do, yes. Gronk uh, does some pretty emphatic spikes. Why does that matter? Oh, because it's discipline. Yeah, uh, celebration they, dances they have, 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 have nothing to do with discipline. I mean, maybe spending much too much time on planning them, and maybe Juju, right. uh, 48 hours after losing and being eliminated by Jacksonville, him tweeting, hey, vote for our hide-and-seek celebration as the best celebration in NFL.com. Yeah, that, that gets under my skin a bit, but, but the actual celebrations don't bother me at all, and I don't believe we're indicative of any uh, lack of focus or, looking at the Patriots, any exceptional focus. You know what really reflects the Patriots' exceptional focus? All those friggin' Super Bowls. You know what reflects the Steelers' comparable lack of focus? Not having been to a Super Bowl in seven years, despite talent that merits you shoulda. Let's go to Mark in Blairsville. Mark, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Yes, uh, I, I believe that uh, Barry uh, was the better cheater. He, he was accused. And he kept doing it. He he, he never stopped. That, yeah, he was under scrutiny, kept doing it. It's amazing, right? Yes. It's like he dared them to catch him, and they couldn't. Well, the, the same with Lance Armstrong. I mean, no one was tested more than Lance Armstrong. And in the end, he was proven that he juiced. Now, Bill, on the other hand, um, was was accused, was caught, whatever. Now, hold it. Did Lance Armstrong he, he, ever he, test he, positive, he, or did he just admit it? He He admitted it. But he never got caught. He never, you see, here's the he thing. He never got caught. Here's no. the, no, he never tested positive, I, I don't think, or did he? You see, I'm a believer in, if you never tested positive for PEDs, you never got caught. Up next, going to be great to talk to the Penguins coach, Mike Sullivan, here on the Home of the Penguins 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. The Penguins went 9-3 and in January and host the Washington Capitals tomorrow night in a big Metropolitan Division showdown. Joining me now to discuss is the Penguins coach, two-time Stanley Cup winner, Mike Sullivan. Uh, Mike, what happened in January? Uh, how much of it was improved play, and how much of it was getting maybe a little puck luck finally? I think it was a little bit of both, Mark. I think uh, I give our players a lot of credit. Uh, I think we're playing the game hard. We're trying to play the game the right way, I think. Uh, with a little bit of success comes a boost of confidence and, and there's a good, uh, there's a good vibe, I think, around the team right now. There's good energy around us and we're just trying to build on that each and every day. But, but certainly it's a little bit of both. My experience of, of being around this game is that when you play well, you tend to get puck luck, uh, that tends to follow. So, uh, I just think we've got to continue to focus on trying to play the game the right way. 
Ole Mata was on the show yesterday, and he said something interesting. He said you guys lost two out of three on the West Coast trip, but really played the game the right way and kind of implied it was a turning point to get you to where you're at now. Well, I think, you know, I think he's right. You know, one of the things that we try to do as a coaching staff is we try to provide an honest assessment of our play, regardless of what the score is. And, and we give our players that, uh, that feedback of that honest assessment. And, and we felt as though, uh, maybe, uh, with the exception of one period on our California trip that, uh, there was a lot to like about, about our, our overall play. And, you know, we're playing three pretty good teams and, and, you know, the games were, Fairly even, but but we really liked a lot of our game, and and although the the results didn't, uh, we weren't overly thrilled with. Uh, we we felt as though as long as we continued on that path, that that we'd get the results. So you know sometimes when when you when you don't have success in the win loss column, it it creates another level of urgency uh, to a team that that allows you to get over the hump, and and I, and I think we're certainly playing with like that, or we're playing with that urgency the last handful of games. Uh, the big guns have heated up all at the same time, uh, Sid, Gino, and Phil. Why did that happen? Is it something you can put your finger on? Because it certainly makes things easier, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, you know, we, as I say all the time, we, we go as our as, as our top players go, and, and these guys are the are, they're the they're the engine that that drives the hockey team. And uh, when when they're at the top of their game, they're just they're they're a force. They're so difficult to defend against. Uh, they're a threat every time they're on the ice. Uh, they help us create the balance that we're looking for that we think makes us more difficult to play against. They've been dynamic on the power play all year long. Uh, what, we're, what we've really liked is, is their five-on-five play in the last probably four or five weeks uh, has really, uh, I think, gotten to another level, and that's when this team's at its best. So uh, certainly we're, we're a much more difficult team to play against when, when our top guys are going the way they're going right now. Hopefully we can continue to keep him in that, in that vein. Now you want Sid, Gino, and Phil on different lines, and certainly there's a pattern of success when you're able to do that. But do you think you have the complementary personnel to do that indefinitely, Mike? Or does Jim Rutherford need you to get you some help uh, between now and the trade deadline, perhaps specifically at center? Well, I think Jim is always trying to improve our hockey team. He's one of the one of the more harder working general managers that I've that I've been associated with in this in this game. He's always on the phones trying to try to improve our team in, in any way he can. And, uh, but, but I do believe that, that with the group of players that we have, that, that we've got a fairly deep roster. And, and, and I don't know that I have a definitive answer for you, Mark. I think a lot of it is going to depend on who's playing well at a given time and uh, where our team is at uh, game to game or week to week. And, and I think I've been, I've been pretty uh, upfront with, with our, our opinion on the matter, at least our coaching staff feels as though, uh, in a perfect world, I think we're, our team is at its best when we have the ability to create the balanced attack that we have right now. But it's but it's not always going to be etched in stone, and there are so many variables that that are going to dictate you know which way we go. And and part of that is is just the gut feeling of the coaching staff uh, at a particular time, uh, you know, on a game to game basis. But but what I do like is is that we've got we have versatility. We have the ability to if we want to load them up and put put our top guys in the top six. We have the ability to do that, and and you know there are even times over the course of the last couple of weeks where that even though that that we haven't spread on on three different lines right now, they still play a fair amount together, even five on five, uh, and so they're getting a fair amount of time together, even though that we choose to to spread them out on the lines the way they are right now. 
a lot of it really is going to depend on a week-to-week or a game-to-game basis on how everybody's playing. Now, Matt Murray looked real good Tuesday against San Jose uh, in his first game back after his father passed. Has he been a bit off so far this year until now, or, or was that the team in front of him maybe not playing as well as it is right now? I think it's probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I don't think Matt's any different than the rest of our group. You know, we, we've uh, we've been victim of, of inconsistency here in the first part of the schedule, and uh, all of us, I think, are, are are all part of that. So, and and I don't think Matt's any different. But we really like the way Matt's game is trending right now. He's uh, he, we thought he was terrific the other night, and uh, under difficult circumstances, and, and we're hoping that that he can bring that level of consistency through the second half of the season here. And, and all of our players, for that matter, we're, we're going to need that level of consistency if we're going to get to where we want to go. Well, in that vein, where is Chris Letang's game at? Uh, by his own admission, uh, Coach, he's had, he's had some ups and downs. Yes, he has. And, uh, you know, what I love about Tanger is, is, is he's, pretty, he's pretty honest with his, with his own self-assessment. And, and our expectations are so high of Tanger because of the role that we, that we put him in and, and how important he is to – every aspect of our game, whether it be 5-on-5 play and getting out of our end zone or joining the rush or being active on the offensive blue line to help us create some offense to, you know, playing against the other team's top players and defending hard and killing penalties. We just use him in every circumstance. He's such an important part of our team, and, and he has the ability to be such an elite player and a difference maker, and, and I think that's everybody's expectation. And, and I think sometimes we forget how much time that he missed he had a, uh, a very serious injury that he's overcome, and uh, but we really like the way his game is trending as well. He's he, he's had his ups and downs in this first part of the season, but I believe his his game is starting to track the right way. We think he's going to have a great second half for us. You know, it's funny. I know that elite athletes and elite teams, coaches like yourself, say that a team doesn't want to ever feel it can flip the switch. But I look at you guys up until January and how you play in January. And I wonder just a bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. I've always been a believer that uh, it's difficult to just turn the switch and start to play the game the right way. I've always been a believer that it's a process. And 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 my experience of being around uh, the NHL and being around the game is that usually there's uh, there's a process that takes place that leads up to success. And 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 I and I've seen that with this team as well. You, you can see it in practice. I think that's where. That's where your habits are developed and instilled. Uh, that that's where uh, you know the, the attention to detail uh, and playing on the on the same page, cooperative play uh, is built. And 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 we see we see the the traction in practice before we actually get the results. And and so and I've seen that with this team this year as well. And 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 we we anticipated a, a, a difficult, uh, challenging start to our season this year for a lot of reasons. Uh, but certainly what we've really liked in, in the last five, six weeks has just been the, the process that our team's going through. We like the, the work habits that we've established in practice. I think the month of February, the, the schedule is going to be pretty good to us. It's going to give us an opportunity to get some more substantive practices uh, into built into our schedule, which I, I think will only reinforce uh, what we're trying to do as a hockey team. So, we like the way we're trending, but but it's something that we're going to have to go out earn it, go out and earn each and every day. We're talking to Penguins coach Mike Sullivan here on the home of the Penguins, one hundred five nine the X. Uh, coach, is Ian Cole playing well enough to stay in the lineup uh, once the rest of the D gets healthy? Matt Hunwick, what's the debate there among you and your staff? 
well, Ian's a good player for us, and, and, and he has been a good player for us for a couple of seasons. And, and uh, Ian and I have had a number of conversations, uh, you know, over the, the course of this season and, and prior seasons on what our expectations are and, and where the points of contention uh, with the coaching staff is. And, uh, and, and we certainly value what he brings to our team, and I've made no bones about that. The reality is, Mark, is when, when we have a healthy complement of players, we have some difficult lineup decisions. And, uh, and, and so it's a competitive roster. It's a, I, I think it's a healthy competition, uh, that, that's going to push us all to be at our very best. And, and so Ian's in the lineup right now. We've got a healthy complement of players. Uh, we had it for the last game and Ian was in the lineup because he's deserving of being in the lineup based on the way he played. And, and, and I think that's the expectation that we have of all of our guys. And so, um, you know, Ian and I, I think are, are very much on the same page of, of, uh, what the expectations are and what his role is in helping our team win. And, and our hope is that he continues to play the game with the, the, the conviction that he played with the last game and the, and the edge that he played with. And, uh, you know, he certainly is a difficult person to play against when he plays the game with a certain edge. And, uh, he's one of our better penalty killers. I think when he makes, uh, simple plays with his, with the, as far as his decision making with the puck, and he doesn't try to do too much with his decision-making with the puck and become a high-risk player uh, as far as his puck possession is concerned, that's when Ian's at his best, and that's when he helps his team win games. I think a player can play up to expectations, but maybe not produce statistically up to expectations. I kind of think of Brian Rust when I say that. Is it fair to say you have some guys that kind of fit that description? Yeah, I, I think we've got a handful of them. I think when you look at, uh, you know, I think Rusty's had a fairly consistent game this year. The puck hasn't gone in the net as often as it has for him in the past, but we believe it will be if, as long as he continues to play the right way and bring the right work habits uh, to the rink every day. Uh, Justin Schultz is a guy that comes to mind. You know, his numbers aren't uh, jumping off the charts as, as much as when you compare him to last year's uh, season that he had for us, but circumstances are different. We've got Chris Letang in the lineup this year who makes us a better team. He's taking some of the power play minutes away from uh, Schultze that may have an impact on his offensive numbers. But we've really liked Schultze's game uh, from, from the standpoint of helping our team win games. He's still the same guy that goes back to pucks, helps us get out of our end zone. He joins a rush extremely well. He has great offensive instincts, and he's really defended hard for us. So, you know, he's another guy that, that I think when you look at him from a statistical standpoint – he may look like he's not having the same year that he had last year for us, but he's a guy that, that we think has been one of our more consistent players. So we've got a few guys that can fall into that category. Why is the power play so great? Because i got to be honest, Mike, I always think it doesn't shoot enough. It drives me nuts. Maybe it doesn't shoot enough, but they must know what they're doing because they're number one in the league. Yeah, they are. You know, I, my college coach, Jack Parker, used to say uh, used to say to me uh, on on a number of occasions that, that the team that gets off the bus with the best players usually wins. And, and I think when, in terms of our power play, when you look at the, the personnel that we have and, and, and some of the weapons that we have, to, uh, the ability to put on the ice at the same time, I just give our players so much credit. They're, they're, a, they're a talented group. They're a very instinctive group, and I think that's what makes our power play unique uh, relative to some of the other power plays in the league. And there are a lot of good ones, Mark, uh, but, but I think our power play in particular is unique in the sense that they, they're very instinctive in, in, in how they play the game. You know, we, we have a framework that we give them. Uh, you know, we have certain principles that, that we demand of them. Uh, but, but we're very cautious as a coaching staff that we don't overcoach that group 
because our biggest challenge as a coaching staff when we coach this group of power play guys is that we don't want to we want to make sure that we don't get in the way and sometimes uh, our best coaching decisions are are just just making sure that we say less and we allow those guys to be instinctive and act on their instincts and sometimes they go off the grid but that that's what makes them i think unique that's what makes them as good as they are and certainly uh, to have the ability to put that many weapons on the ice at the same time uh, i think gives us a competitive advantage I didn't think Gino would be a good fit with Hornquist and Haglin, Coach, but he had 12 goals in January, and I see the method. It really makes Gino into more of a goal scorer, more of a guy who looks to shoot, doesn't it? It really does, and and you know that was one of the one of the the things that we talked about as a coaching staff when we decided to to put that line together, and and we have this discussion almost daily. You know, do we put Phil back with Gino and? Uh, and, and even though we haven't, like I said earlier, even though we haven't spread them, uh, across three different lines right now, that they get a fair amount of play together, even five on five, just, just throughout the course of the, of the game. I always look for, for, uh, opportunities to, to potentially, uh, throw those guys together to give them an opportunity to maybe take advantage of an offensive situation. But, uh, one of the things that we talked about was, was, uh, we thought Gino was looking to pass the puck. A lot and was and was giving up opportunities to shoot the puck and we think he's as dangerous a goal scorer as there is in the league and 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 he's shown that uh, through the through the course of this past month and 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 we we continue to preach to him uh, almost daily when he's on this line that he's the he's the most dangerous scoring threat so if if he's got an opportunity to pass the puck or he's in a, he's in an advantageous uh, situation where he's got a chance to shoot and put the puck on the net we prefer that he shoot. I think it gives uh, Patrick Hornquist an opportunity to do what he does best, and that's go to the net, wreak havoc, and bang rebounds in. And it gives Haggy an opportunity to do what he does best, and that's go hunt and, and retrieve pucks and try to create offense off of the rebound. And so, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, we thought about putting that, that trio together, and for this past month, uh, it, it's worked for us. Now, we've talked about this before, but it's a great topic. What's it like to coach Phil? He's such a unique player. I've honestly never seen a guy play quite like him in, in four decades of, of watching hockey pretty closely. Do you just kind of let him play? I mean, how much input do the coaches have? Well, he's uh, Phil's a unique guy, as, as you said, and I've really grown to appreciate Phil uh, as, as a person and a player over the last two-plus seasons that I've had the privilege to coach him. And, you know, he's not a guy that's going to, that's going to always play the game the way you want him to, to play. And, uh, and, and that's part of what makes Phil uh, the elite player that he is. Uh, you know, the, the, the conversation that I have with Phil all the time is just to try to get him to meet me halfway in certain situations, <laughs> whether it be, you know, playing away from the puck or, or his play along the wall or, or participating on a forecheck. Uh, I think we all see how talented a guy he is. He's a difference maker. He, he, he's the type of guy that, you know, he, he can, uh, he, he can sleep or, or play a, a pretty vanilla game for a period and a half. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden he, he makes one or two or two or three plays, uh, during a third period or a second half of the second period that are difference makers and we end up scoring goals. That, that's the ability that he has. So, uh, I, I've learned a lot from Phil in, in, in the time that I've spent with him and, and trying to, to coach him the best way that I know how to try to get the most out of him to try to help him, uh, to try to help us win. And so 
I, I've learned a lot from Phil and, and talking with him uh, over the last couple of years and listening to, to his insights and how he sees the game. I think that's helped me uh, as far as how I interact with him and coach him. Uh, it's important, I think, to try to get to know these guys and listen to, to their insights. And, and certainly he's a unique personality, but I think we all know and see the type of difference maker that he potentially can be for us. Is there a lot of pressure to win a third straight Stanley Cup, or is there no pressure at all since you've already won two in a row? Because I can honestly see it from both sides. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't look at it as pressure. I, I think it's opportunity. That's the way I look at it. We've got a great opportunity to continue to write our own story here and 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 build on on an already uh, an already um, I think accomplished legacy with some of these core players that. Uh, that's inspiring. I, it, you know, I, I've said on a number of occasions that this group of players is a privilege to coach, and, and I mean that sincerely. They're a unique group. They they work extremely hard, and they're they're ultra talented. And and I think I, I think we've got a great opportunity. We've got a great opportunity to continue uh, to try to excel uh, at, at in, in the most difficult league in, in pro sports. In, in my opinion, I think the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win. And uh, these guys have shown an ability uh, to, to play their very best when, their stakes are, when the stakes are the highest. And uh, I think that's a credit to their character and their talent level. Uh, we've got a great opportunity in front of us here moving forward, but we've got to go out and earn it all over again. And, and, and that's the greatest thing about our game is, is we've, got a, we've got a big challenge tomorrow night against a real good Washington team. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we've got to take each game as it comes, and we've got to go out and earn it each and every day. Uh, but the way I look at it, Mark, it's it's just a great opportunity for all of us. And, and, and I think we've got to take advantage of it while we can. Mike, great stuff. Uh, one last thing. Uh, you're from Mass, so you're obviously a Patriots fan. You do know they cheat, right? Oh, I know that that, uh, that argument's been thrown around a lot, Mark. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can tell you two things. I'm a huge football fan. Um, obviously, growing up as, as a, my whole life in Boston, it, it, it's hard to shed my loyalties. Uh, but the one thing I will tell you and what I've learned in, in the time that, I, that I've spent here in Pittsburgh is it's what a privilege it's been to be part of the, the coaching fraternity of, of the major sports teams in Pittsburgh. I've got an opportunity to, to meet and interact with Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert with the Steelers. I've got an opportunity to, uh, to have a conversation with Mr. Rooney, and I just think they're a class organization. I've got a great opportunity to, to, uh, to spend some time with some charity events with Clint Hurdle and uh, – and, and, Boy, did I, I enjoyed the, the opportunity to meet these guys and be a part of this unique fraternity where every team is so supportive of one another. So I might be the only guy in Pittsburgh that's a New England Patriots fan, but I'm also a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Mike, great stuff. Thanks again. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow night. Okay, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's Mike Sullivan. Great stuff from the Pittsburgh Penguins coach. We'll be right back with Bob McLaughlin, 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Right in, Mr. Madden, big fan. Super genius. I love the show. What he likes ain't legal nowhere but Medellin. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Mike Sullivan for taking the time to join me. Thanks to uh, Jason and Jan in the Penn State Department for setting it up. Uh, by the way, uh, Holly Dietz, one of our salespeople here, heard me talking about the lack of free food, so she brought in a quarter pounder with fries, a Royale with cheese from McDonald's. But I set it down on the counter in the kitchen, and somebody else took it. 
This workplace is killing me. It's absolutely killing me. I just hope I can somehow muster the strength and courage to battle through to the other side. But thanks to Holly. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob, uh, really enjoyed talking to Mike Sullivan, and it sounds like Matt Hunwick is ready to play, and Ian Cole's still in the lineup, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, uh, and it sounds like I'm ready to run through a wall for the guy. I mean, I felt like I was in a player-coach meeting with him the way he was describing what he wants from Chris Letang, Matt Hunwick, Ian Cole, um, you know, the positives about Matt Murray's return. I know a huge part of the Penguins' success is in the roster, but I think he's a monster ingredient to that also. Uh, he knows his team, and I think he knows the way to deliver the message he needs to. I love talking to him about Phil because because <laughs> yeah. a, a, a coach would mostly want to stab Phil, <laughs> even though Phil gets so much done because Phil's a unique player. I don't say that uh, lightly. You know, people say, oh, he's unique. Uh, he really is unique. Nobody in the league plays quite like him, and gets the results like him. And that's why you could ignore certain things he doesn't do, like almost no body contact, no hits, uh, no block shots. And, Bob, this is a league founded right now on blocking shots and rubbing people out at the very least. And Phil doesn't do any of that, but he's just off the scoring lead and plays great every night. Uh, it's a unique kind of great, but you know what you're getting. Yeah, and how about him saying, look, I know how to talk to him. I know how to get what I want out of him. I put it out there so my message is just meet me halfway, which means the real message he's giving him is way over the other side so that Phil kind of comes and meets him a little bit more there. Well, um, well, don't you feel, and I'm like when he says meet me halfway, I mean, you know Mike and Phil have to tangle sometimes, oh, right? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think Phil and most people. And that's people no on knock on either one. That's coach and player give and take. Sure, and you've seen proof of that on the, uh, you know, on the TV when you watch a game. When you're at the game, looking down there, Phil comes off the ice and he tells people how he wants it, how it's going to be. Sometimes they give him a little bit back, and the next thing you know, the puck's in the back of the net. Like when he told Sid to shut the f up last year, <laughs> and it got caught very clearly on camera. Very clearly, I wasn't going to go that in depth, but it's your show. You may. And what about Phil in the cryogenic chamber that Gino tweeted a picture, a video actually, of Phil in the what is that, Bob? Exactly. I think you know more about that than I do. The cryogenic chamber. Well, I think that what you see all the time when the players have to get into the ice tub, you know, just to help their muscles recuperate from like all those bumps and bruises. I mean, that, those guys take a pounding. It's got to be, you know, at his age, at you know, when you get up there into the 30s, you're going to get sore. I think that by freezing the muscle, it sends oxygen, it sends new blood, it sends all sorts of stuff to that area to try and recoup, and you just come out of it feeling a lot better. I mean, I do the polar plunge every year for Special Olympics, Mark, and I will tell you, when you jump into water that cold or your body gets that cold, it is everything it can do to shock you back awake or to keep you alive. And you get out of that water in the river, you feel like you are on speed. You are just ready to do whatever, however. What if I was already on speed? Well, that's none of my business. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Now it's time to win. Keyword, call, $1,000 bribe. If you want it, come and get it. Up next, we'll talk about... The two best cheaters in the history of sports. Barry Bonds and Bill Belichick. Who's better? 105.9 The X.